Hello, Rich Bolas here. A big thank you for downloading the Dad Mindset podcast, where we explore different perspectives on fatherhood. This episode, I chat with father of two boys, Rob, who produces the YouTube channel, The Elijah and Crumpet Show. Rob goes into detail about why they started the show, what he's learned as a parent to a child with Down syndrome, and how we as a society can better support and include children with the condition. I hope you enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Rob. Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure to finally get to chat with you. Now, uh, a mutual friend of ours said that you're an amazing dad and that it'd be great to pick your brains on the show. So uh, thanks for thanks for giving up some time to chat with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I must say, I've listened to quite a few of, you, of your shows already, so I was really happy to come on and... Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I've actually learned quite a lot. It's, been, it's a bit come a bit late, but I learned quite a lot listening to the guys you've had on the show. I appreciate that. I, t- I totally have that feeling as well. Like coming a bit late, I think oh, I should have started this ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 Rob, you're part of the team that produces the Elijah and Crumpet YouTube show. Can you tell us what it's all about and why you guys started it? Okay, so Elijah is my son. He's uh, ten years old now, and uh, and Crumpet is his uh, or our our pet puppet monkey. And um, so the Elijah and Crumpet show is the two of them um, who do things. Um, they yeah show off what they can do, uh, have fun, be silly, and um, yeah we we started it about two years ago. So. Elijah has Down syndrome, um, and I think before before we started, um, he'd actually he overheard Thomas talking about being a YouTuber at the dinner table, and and one night he goes, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to be a famous YouTuber," and that got me thinking. I said, "You really want to do that?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." So I said, "Okay," and I've always thought that um, you know Elijah's uh, Elijah has got some really great qualities and amazing ability. Um, and um, we can talk about Down syndrome, but he exceeded my expectations. And, and I wanted to show other people, and I thought it would be great to you know, um, advocate in that way. Um, but I was always a bit fearful of putting him out there. Um, and you hear a lot of negative things about um, the internet and YouTube. So I, I was a bit more private and kept it all to ourselves. Um, but... I actually did some videos, some very basic ones. Um, Crumpet, the puppet, that's done by me. Um, so, you know, I keep off camera and operate the puppet and interact with Elijah. And he, his first ones where we just introduced ourselves were so funny. I showed them to people at work and they said, I said, what do you think? You think this would be interesting? And they said, yeah, that's great. Do it. So, um, yeah, so that's how it started. <laughs> it's great i've been watching them for the last few weeks and um i love it's like some of the topics you go into as well it it looks like you guys are having an absolute blast like i mean like elijah actually got to go in the, the cockpit of an airplane when you did you guys go to new zealand or something it looked like air new zealand yeah yeah we did we went um went to new zealand and then i mean i take crumpet with me everywhere and so you know the family complain and go you know he's part he's not part of the family leave him at home and and I go no, he's got to come because we're going to do a few clips, <laughs> and we don't do too much. Like we might only film a few minutes, but that's all you need for 
um, you know, a three three minute YouTube show, four minutes. So, um, of course, I, I get talking to the people in uh, the the air um, host and, and hostess, and uh, and then I ask them, is there any chance we can get into the cockpit for the, the YouTube show? And they go and ask, and they're all everyone's so helpful. So they said, yeah, and they sorted it out. The pilot, he said, he let him wear his hat, and yeah, it's really good. It's so cool. Like, what what are the highlights have you had? Have you guys had over the last two years of running this YouTube show? Um, well, we, I joined a, a team um, of creators uh, called No Small Creator, and that really inspired me to learn how to do the videos because I knew nothing, but I really knew nothing about editing and uh, filming. Um, Although I did have a bit of an interest in photography. So um, I started churning them out. And then I had the idea of get, trying to get in the media. So I tried to get 100 videos up. And then through a friend, I, I was contacted by somebody who's interested in doing a story on Down syndrome. And that ended up, we dropped that story because it was on, um, you know, the decision, the testing and all of that. So all the more, more controversial stuff. Um, so we didn't do that story. But we then said, how about a story on um, the show? And so he ran it in news.com um, AU. Uh, and and then the next week, he wrote a really good story and they put together some of our clips. And then the next week, um, we were on the Today Show. So we did a, um, we actually had them visit our house and I put together a film for it. Uh, I think that's one of our most viewed shows. Um, so I did it as the headlines because they were, of course, TV reporters. So I was I was crumpy interviewing Elijah and I asked him to show his ability. He did some Japanese, uh, he did some reading, and then I I, asked, I planted the question in there about um, Hugh Jackman um, and how Elijah, because he loves the Greatest Showman, how he was the Greatest Showman, and then we talked about how he wanted to meet Hugh Jackman. Well, anyway, they ran with that once it aired, and they had the people sat round um, down in the studio and said. I think we can sort that out for them, don't you? you you'll get your guys to speak to their guys, and they did. So we got to go behind the. We got to go and meet uh, Hugh Jackman at his meet and greet when he came up to Brisbane, um, and then they aired it again in August. So we had a we got on TV in March, and then we got on again in August, and that gave us a massive boost in numbers. So it was really cool. <laughs> That's so cool, Rob. That's brilliant. <laughs> the um, was that with um, was it? The was it Jess that you actually interviewed? At, at yeah. Home? What was Hugh like? Oh, he was really nice. Like he was very focused on Elijah, which was great, and he's got kids of his own. Um, it, it, you know, they made a big deal of it, but in actual fact, we were just part of the lineup of all these people coming through, and you literally had one minute to shake it and get the photo. They didn't want to crump it in the photo because you know they said, "What's this?" And <laughs> I, I said, "Look, this is from the Today Show, and it's Elijah and Crumpet." And they started going on about, oh, you can't use Hugh Jackman for any, you know, you're getting trouble and it's got to be agreed to. So I, I shut up then. I just shoved, my, you know, shoved the crumpet there, got the photo, and then uh, knowing that it was going to be on TV the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get in trouble, though. So they did a good job saying how, how great, you know, they gave him a good chuck up. So that was good for Hugh Jackman. And uh, he is a really nice guy anyway. Um, oh. he, said he, was a, he said he was a fan of the Elijah and Crumpet show as well. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, he's, he's true to his word and he's one of our subscribers, I'm hoping. That's ace. <laughs> That's so good, Rob. <laughs> now, um, obviously going back to like touching on the, the great ability 
that you say that Elijah has that you wanted to show through the show? Like that, that's something I'm really keen to to dig into as well. Can you go into it? Because I think you mentioned on like he loves the greatest showman, and it seems like that's one of his superpowers. Yeah, that's right. So he, he's well from that. He's the singing and dancing is uh, singing and dancing is quite very. Um, has, uh, it's been a big part of our family. Not me, um, but my wife, great dancer, and um, and so Thomas is a dancer. He does hip hop now, um, and is really good. And so Elijah's grown up with that. So Elijah does a lot of dancing and tries his best to copy Thomas. Um, so, yeah, Greatest Showman was one way. He, he dances and does the singing, and he, he just loves it. So um, it's definitely one of his abilities, especially when you consider that Elijah was a very late walker. So we had that fear that he wouldn't be able to walk properly. Um, and, you know, we did all the training with and had a frame and had to have special shoes for him. So there was a lot of effort that we put into it. So to see him running around, dancing, jumping, um, yeah, it's just great. It's really nice to see. Um, and same with speech. Speech came later. He was nonverbal until he actually um, started at school. So we taught Elijah signing and we taught him to read um, with signing. So we teach him a word and get him to sign that word. So it was reading through sign. Um, as we saw early on that he was able to do all these things. Now, when you get um, a diagnosis of a child with a, a disability, you have all these, the fear of what they're not going to be able to do. Uh, and that's far stronger than you know your thoughts of because you assume if you've got a, a regular kid that they're going to do all these things like reading. It just doesn't. You don't think about those things. So all these fears come in. So to see each of those things drop off, where he's a great communicator, he can talk. He, he talks really well and a lot, and he's got a good memory, and he's he's funny. He's got a good sense of humour. He's cheeky. He makes jokes. He can speak Japanese. You know, you never thought I, I did write down as one of my aims that I'd like him to learn the language, um, because I, I, having studied languages myself, I know that if you if you can learn English, then you can definitely learn a second language. So, you know, to see that come to fruition has been just great, and uh, yeah, that's, oh, that's brilliant. So, I mean, because obviously Thomas was five years older than elijah so what was it like rob when obviously you you had the diagnosis come through with elijah like how did that actually feel yeah well we um i thought i told the we had it documented in the uh, news.com article that we didn't do the initial test um with the amniocentesis and getting testing done because we actually discussed you know what if we had a child with a disability and we agreed my wife and i um agreed that we would be fine with that. You know, we'd be able to cope with it. Um, it's just one of those things that life chucks at you. So it's like when, if you're deciding to have kids, if you're lucky enough to be able to plan it and decide it, you've you got, you got to think, do I, do I want kids? Uh, can I deal with kids? Am I up, up for it? Um, I don't know how many people go through that process or maybe people wish they had gone through the process. <laughs> no, no Sarah, Sarah and I, yeah, we were, we were exactly the same. We made exactly the same decision not to be tested for, for ex- the yeah. same reasons. Yeah, there you go. So, so um, it would have been a challenge, but hey, we're up to that and uh, life would just be different. So we thought through that beforehand and and when it actually happened, of course, there's, a, there's the element of shock, but we, we had a late... Um, a late just a normal scan and something actually came up as a heart issue um which sent us they sent us into a specialist who did some measurements and then they came and said oh from these measurements it looks like 
we might have to do it might be down syndrome it might be something uh, worse it might be um, a condition that needs um, you know palliative care there are other other issues um, and they advise you know so that we could prepare for it uh, that we get the test done so at that stage we did get the test and it confirmed that it was down syndrome and then you know that was actually a bit of a relief um, yeah it must have been a massive relief yeah, but then you, you don't you know a relief that it wasn't something worse and but then you don't know anything or don't know much about Down syndrome. So that's the issue. And that's the issue that every a lot of other people in society have. Um, and we we had it. Um, so we went and found out everything that we could about Down syndrome, um, which put us at ease. But, you know, you still go through the process of what you've what you've lost in a way, of what, what's not going to be. And you have the fear of, um, you know, how, um, what sort of disability your child might have is it going to be extreme mental disability or is it going to be um extreme physical disabilities are they going to have heart problems uh, and need surgery uh, there is there's definitely higher higher risk there so yeah you, you have that concern yeah so what were some of the things that you actually learned when you were going through the books initially rob or, or should i say what are some of the things that you think um people with that don't have children with down syndrome should know or would like to know that uh maybe too afraid to ask i think yeah i think things have changed a lot so um the big thing for me is how we can actually um make things better for people with disability so and if i just focus on down syndrome because that's my niche if you like I, I often feel bad that you know this these things apply to most disabilities if not all disabilities um but yeah for down syndrome in particular over the years, they've been institutionalized. Uh, they've been had very low expectations um, put on them by the medical profession, by the education profession, by society in general. So they're very disadvantaged uh, from that, that cultural baggage that's come, um, which turns into what people think about Down syndrome. So when you get to when people are making a choice because they've had a test and they're advised your child may have Down syndrome, they actually don't have the right information to be able to make the informed choice, the correct choice. Um, even, they might think it's correct, but um, that, that's the only problem I have with it. But um, if they have the right information, then okay, it's up to them to make a choice. Um, so the thing for me is how how normal a life with Down syndrome can actually be. Um, you can ensure you might need more intervention, extra help early on, especially. And if you put that effort in early on, then yeah, the the rewards are so good so much um they're multiplied um so you know if you make a real effort with say speech therapy early on then later on your child yeah might be able to speak really well um whereas if you didn't do anything and just wrote them off then yeah, you, they wouldn't be able to communicate um so i think if we have uh, my thing my take out has been to have very high expectations um we went to a social role valorization course early on, which um, it was all about, um, you know, if we if we let our child who wants to, say, um, have a superhero a duvet cover, duna cover, um, and walk around with a superhero T-shirt, if we, if we let them do that when they, they're an adult, um, in terms of a social role, that, that we're actually making them appear like a child, so that doesn't do them any, any favours because people will see them more like a child. Um, so, you know, 
you try to dress them appropriately, make them do activities that are appropriate, give them roles in society which um, that, which people expect uh, a person of that age to have. So that got us on to things like what do we want, what roles do we want Elijah to have? So we got into like scouts. We want him to be a scout. So we'd like him to be a student at school, um, in a regular school, not in a, a special school hidden away um, from the rest of society, but um, with everyone else, with his peers. Uh, I wanted him to be a, a linguist, even maybe he could go to university. All of these different things, uh, be a be a, a good friend, be um, you know a, a, a good brother. He's got all these roles. So yeah, we um, that that was very formative that course, and and that's how we we viewed it. We've got to do everything we can to give him as normal a life as possible. Yeah. So what was the name of that course, Rob? Oh, it's called Social Role Valorization. Um, it's actually done by Darcy Elks, who's an American um, who uh, came over for it. And it was through one of the um, disability organizations, crew in in uh, Brisbane, that organized that. So, yeah, we went along to it and it was a, a few days. I think my wife, well, as normally happens, she did the course first and then she recommended that I go and do it as well. So, yeah, it was really good. Oh wow! And did you? Uh, are there any particular books that you sort of um, would recommend people read uh, about the subject as well? Oh, not for yeah. We just we did go up to our local uh, Down syndrome association. I'd recommend yeah people get in touch with them and try. There's, there's often people available to talk, um, and that's a, that is the best thing to meet someone who's got a child who's gone through it already because um, yeah they'll put you at ease. But the difference now is that. I found Instagram and social media, and there's so much stuff now on there that that's probably the first place of port of call for people. Um, there's so much on the internet now, and showing the the regular lives that that people with Down syndrome are leading and the tips um, that that that's probably better than any books um, from like ten years ago, I'd say. But we got a video off them and watched the video, um, and we I think we got a book as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we got it as well. What was the school like that you first took Elijah to? Were were they awesome? Yeah, well, we we had early on we had a, um, a a daycare place which was a special education place, and you know there it was interesting because there were some kids there who had uh, far greater needs than Elijah, and you could just see one one day I went in and there was screaming. Um, and Elijah was a bit upset. And of course, he'd had a bad day because of the behavior of another child. Now, um, that's that's why we wanted him to go to a regular school. Um, and there's, there's all sorts of documentation on it, um, which shows why it's good for a child with a disability to be in a regular school. Um, there's a commit the commission in Australia on um, uh, education and people with disabilities. And it did, didn't. It was not painting a very good picture. I think they've got a few years to sort it out. But we, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not been done very well. Let's say in Australia, um, having uh, regular ed- education for inclusive education. Um, yeah. Does it still feel a, a little bit of an uphill battle to you know get it into is, the system? It is. It's been twenty years. You know, the people that came before they set it all up and and worked hard to to get the rights and get it in place and and it's still failing because of a lack of funding and therefore education and therefore culture um training and training in the schools 
Um, they just a lot of them don't have the staff to do it, and a lot of them don't have the knowledge. So, um, but we had Elijah go into a um, a kindergarten, which is where, um, as you mentioned when we were chatting, Sue Salvi um, was the teacher, and that was just great. Um, and Elijah spent two years there, and even though he couldn't talk, you know, it gave the children there. Um, yeah, they learned about Elijah being a bit different, um, about signing, how they had to sign with him, uh, but how he had fun and could learn things, they had to help him a little bit uh, more than they might any other child. Um, but Elijah learned so much and he really enjoyed himself there. And I brought him on uh, leaps and bounds. He did really well there. Yeah. And it must be really good for the other kids as well to dis- you know sort of disperse any illusions they or preconceptions they might have. That's right. And the parents of those kids as well. The feedback we got was that, you know, the, the parents had learned a lot and they were really happy that their children were um, growing up and being educated, um, having this experience of of how to be with somebody who, who was different. It, it teaches them compassion, teaches them that empathy, um, care. So it teaches other kids such a lot as well. Yeah. Um, so no. then Elijah went... Yeah. No, sorry, Rob, you go ahead. Well, then after those two years, we wanted him to go to a regular school. So we we had him go to a state school up the road. Um, and that was just great. The principal there was fantastic. Um, his teacher-to-be, um, actually, we found out after our teacher interview uh, when we went into Say Good Day um, that her, her brother had Down syndrome. So it was just perfect. Oh. Um and Elijah went in there. We had a speech device which he could tap. We were trying to teaching him to tap into it, um, and then it would he press a button and it would say, "I'd like the red crayon, please." <laughs> awesome. uh, he, he had a voice. It was really cool. Um, and we did a we did a talk at the kindergarten actually, where uh, we had him being able to the teacher press the PowerPoint presentation while he pressed the buttons to speak about his holiday. And when he first pressed it, because the kids hadn't heard this device before, they were all cheering because they hadn't. That was the first time they'd heard Elijah's voice, and they were like, <laughs> "Oh, that's Elijah's voice!" <laughs> so, computerized Aussie kid in there that we chose. <laughs> that's great. Do, do you get to choose different voices, like say Arnold Schwarzenegger or something? Yeah, you could choose an adult American or a you know female British, and yeah. But we <laughs> we thought now we're going to have to settle on the Aussie kid. So yeah. we did that. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and uh, so yeah, so he went into that school and he did um, three. He got into year uh, he got into year four, but unfortunately, we didn't then have a good experience. So teachers changed, principals changed. Um, People left the school, key, key uh, support workers left the school, uh, children were leaving the school, um, and we found that it, we felt it was um, neglect going on. He wasn't being educated. Um, the teacher was admittedly having to deal with other kids in the class, um, and there were behavioral issues there, um, but you know, he didn't even have the appropriate um, uh, books, uh, materials that we'd even paid for. So. We, um, yeah, we had meetings, made all our complaints, um, got them to address them, which, you know, they would take, they took actions because they knew it was serious and they could be taken to court over it as well because it's um, potentially discrimination. Um, and, and then we left because yeah. we decided that we couldn't risk it. And so we put him into Thomas's school, which was 
private school um, and he's had the best experience out. It's been really great. Such a difference. Um, straight away, they're, they were talking about how, you know, all, talking about all his positives, all the positive aspects, how great his memory is. And so, you know, how they were going to be able to get him to learn to write and what they would do to teach him this and that. It was just such a, they're just such a high level. And unfortunately, that's, we're just lucky that we were able to, um, yeah, get him into, into their mid year that was as well. So, yeah, um, no mean feat. Yeah, it was really good. And it's a new principal there as well who I actually went to, to meet uh, the new principal. And, you know, it's with intrepidation that you, you say, approach the subject and talk about your child with a disability because there's so much hanging on it. It's that attitude first that you, you meet, uh, you experience. And he was straight away, he said, absolutely, no problem. Without a doubt, we'll get him in. And then the relief that you feel is amazing. I knew then that it was the right thing to do. So, oh, That's brilliant. What sort of suggestions would you have for teachers um, or principals of other schools? Um, you know, how can they actually make it easier for parents with children that have Down syndrome? Yeah, well, it's, by law, they have to um, accommodate. And um, there's all these things about making reasonable adjustments for people with disability. Um, the, the, it's their attitude, though. It's, you know, funding's one thing, and, and whether they'll be able to get additional funding or you know, put things in place. Um, but it's that attitude. If they have a can-do attitude um, and want to make it work, they'll make it work. And same for the teachers. Um, they can make it work. Sure, it's going to be harder. You're going to have to draw on your reserves of how to be a good teacher um, to differentiate the uh, curriculum to uh, involve not, and not just not, not have an integrated where they're sitting in the same classroom as their peers, uh, but really not working on the same subjects but you know, how can you involve them in that subject and a really a good teacher will do that really well um they will somehow even though they might be doing say year one english compared to the classes year four english they'll find a way to involve them um and make them feel included in that classroom yeah so so really having a, an open mind to 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 exploring new ways of doing things i guess yeah it's been it's been positive um I mean, there's, there's certain things they have to do legally. So, you know, if anybody, even something subliminal like asking the question, oh, have you considered the, um, have you considered the special school down the road? You know, that, that's something that they can't actually ask legally yeah. because it's, it's seen as a, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone into see that school and, and they're trying to urge you to go and look elsewhere. And it just creates a bad vibe. So the psychology of it is if they're not aware of, how they're um, speaking to a, a parent, prospective parent, then they need to um, need to think about that. Yeah. And what advice would you have for other parents? Say, you know, um, in in sort of helping support, you know, when when your child has a friend that's uh, got Down syndrome, uh, you know, comes to birthday parties, things like that. Any any thoughts there, Rob? Yeah. The I mean, you see it first of all, like in the in the playground if you go to a park because people just don't know how to well the children don't know how to um they'll look at your child and and they, they maybe want to play with them but they're not sure uh, because I mean, for elijah and down syndrome they look a bit different and so the children see that so um 
you just have to treat them like a regular kid. Because for us as parents, the first years, um, that's a, as, as you know, year one and two, pretty much, they're just a regular baby. They have the same yeah. needs, and um, and that's really it. You treat them like a regular kid. I look at Thomas and how how we've we've brought up Thomas, and that for that side of it, um, notwithstanding you know some of the say the the um, slow development say of, of walking and speech. Um, but in all other aspects, it's just having a regular child. So friends have friends come around and they treat Elijah Elijah like a regular um, friend, um, and that's 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 what you have to do. So I think I'm really good at it now. If I meet somebody who's got Down syndrome, then um, I just I have a chat. You know, I say yeah. good day, how are you going, what do you do? And and it's it's funny because even if they're older, they might be the same age as me, and you know their parents often don't. You know, if then if, if they because they've gone through a lot um, when things weren't very good. Yeah, um, old days. The expectations were a lot lower in the old days. I had one experience where um, I was talking to um, the person with Down syndrome, a young lady, um, and yet the mother was talking to me about her as if she wasn't there, oh, <laughs> and, and it felt really awkward. So. Yeah. I, I having to deflect it, not answer the mother back, and and uh, and speak to the young lady and go, "Oh, really? So you like doing that, do you?" And and ask her another question. Um, but it's just what you, what you're used to, and I think so. That's really important. Um, and nowadays, they are people with disabilities are getting out there, being seen, um, and it's a bit of a snowball effect. I feel the more we do it, the easier it becomes for everybody. The more um, socially accepted it is. Uh, the understanding grows, and that helps. And, and I think that helps society as well become a more inclusive, uh, generous, um, empathetic place. Yeah, um, and it's something we, I think, society forgets about sometimes. Yeah, and and how did you guys go with scouts as well? With what? Sorry, with scouts. Yeah, scouts was fantastic. So Thomas did scouts um, for a few years, um, from the age of six. Um, up until about 11, I think it was. So Elijah um, came along to that and used to get to know everybody. Um, so he was really an honorary scout even before he started. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and he was the only person who could make the scout leader actually be quiet. And uh, he, he'd stand <laughs> up and say, no, stop. He'd, he'd hold his hand up and when he could start talking, he'd start you know, telling everybody what to do. So, yeah, it uh, sounded like he was getting the older boys doing, uh, was it, uh, star jumps and all sorts of stuff as well. That's right. It was really funny. So then, every, you know, he was a bit of a celebrity. Everybody would come in and, and do a high five as they walked past him. Um, and he took his first step up a step in the scout den. Um, so it was just a matter of time. I said, look, can, can Elijah do this? So they said, yeah, definitely. So they, they got permission and and then I went and did a bit of uh, helping out with the parent when I could. So um, I'd always be there with him, take him to scouts and stay. So if there was anything needed, I was there. And yeah, and then eventually I, I used to leave him there. And, um, he'd go down with a friend who lived nearby and they'd both do their scouts and then I'd go and pick them both up. So Fantastic. <laughs> really good for ourselves, you know, anybody, the scout organisation for boys and girls. Um, and if you get a good scout troop, then it's uh, yeah, really really good for them and their development. It's yeah. a bit. It's not. Sometimes uh, they don't do as much um, outward bound stuff as you'd like in the early years. 
um, a bit of a shift in expectation there because they're doing more um, activities like colouring, cutting things out. Um, yeah, those sort of just play activities and themed on, this, let's say it's um, Australia Day, they do something relating to that, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter. Um, and and then they start uh, putting in, once they've got the routine of that and the discipline, then and just going there and being away from their parents, then they, they move on to learning how to, um, you know, do some ropes and, yeah, different things. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, because we haven't got our kids into scouts yet, but it's definitely something on the on the horizon, I think, because I, I really enjoyed scouts as a kid. Yeah. So, Rob, do you have any tips and hacks for your, that you picked up raising both Thomas and Elijah? Yeah, I think uh, spending time, not not forgetting about, if you've got a child with a disability, definitely not forgetting about the other child. So the, you've got to, as a family, um, accommodate it. Uh, and there's going to be things that you're not going to be able to do, perhaps. So um, I, I spent time on holiday with Thomas, just Thomas and I, um, to have quality um, father-son time together. And we'd often go for a day as well and have a, a father-son day. Um, and that was really, really good. He really appreciated that, valued it. Because, you know, look, especially when you've got appointments and the attention's on the younger child. So that's one of the one of the tricks uh, that I used. Um, I'd say uh, I've always tried to, even from when Thomas was really small, just say to him, look, if you've got anything, you can ask me anything. So just to keep really open line of communication there, knowing, prepping him for when he's older. And that might be talking about things relating to sex or, um, you know, the, just the, the problems that, as his body's changing that he might, he might want to ask. Um, because if, if I didn't have that, then, yeah, he, he, he wouldn't ask. He'd, he'd have to rely on what he gets from his friends or uh, misinformation elsewhere. And, um so, and with mental health as well, if he was going through a difficult time or depression at any time, then I wanted him to be able to come and talk to us about it. So I encouraged that from very early on, like when he was three, I think, um, and, and just constantly reinforced it, saying, you know, you can always ask me and he could always speak to me. There's nothing too silly. I'm, I'll always answer, honestly. Um, unfortunately, then he asked mum about, Father Christmas quite early on. And... <laughs> you set that up. <laughs> Did you look at you and go, Rob, you, you, what have you done? <laughs> oh, well, he was honest. Uh, and then we learned that, yeah, if you do that, then you're going to get in trouble from the school because, of course, he went in and told all his mates. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It is. It is. I really, I really like that. That's that's something I, I'm definitely going to steal. Um, any any other thoughts along those lines, Rob? Um, I think uh, something that we failed at is that consistency piece. Um, that I don't know other people have come on and talked about. Just you've got to be on the same page. Um, kids will play play you against your partner um, if you're not, and they'll they'll they know they're like interrogators. They know how to. Uh, get it out of you and use that to their advantage. They seem to be just really good at it. So I've I've learned to recognise when something might be going wrong. You know that you get asked a question, you think, oh, that was a bit odd, and then and then you find that yeah, they're off going and getting something off the other person. Yeah. So <laughs> um, yeah, you've got to agree your battle plan early on and and stick to your guns about what you're going to do and what's allowed, what's not allowed. 
um, and, and never give in. <laughs> never, never ever. In. It's like Winston Churchill. Never ever ever give in. <laughs> <laughs> until, until never giving in is a problem, and then give in, and then it's okay, you know. Yeah. Because I think that, that's probably where I failed as well. Is that then because I'd never give in, and I really never give in or gave in, then that became a psychological problem that Dad's really too hard, and we don't like Dad. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Now, I mean, your your father, uh, through our mutual friend, said. Well, he said that your your father was such an amazing guy, and I know sadly he passed away last year. But was he yeah. somewhat of a role model for you, Rob? Yeah, I, it, I don't really think of them as role models until later. But it's my mum and dad, the two of them, the way they brought us up. Of course, you know, it all flows into how you are as a person, and. Um, I know uh, it probably it's probably really different when um, you know when I had friends around and they'd see Dad because Dad um, he would cook because he went through a hotel business so he was he he learned how to run the kitchens as part of his hotel management um, and then when we had our own place a small hotel um, that he had in North Wales um, once he couldn't get somebody a uh, chef for the kitchen and so he went and did it himself. So dad used to cook and he'd cook um, for us in the evenings and, uh, you know, Sunday din- nice dinners. He'd, he'd put these amazing um, dishes uh, and his speciality was dessert. And yeah, so, you know, that, that was him. And um, he was, that was his cooking side, which rubbed off on us. You know, we learned that that was something that he did. We just didn't, we didn't think that, that we, that wasn't, uh, you know, cooking wasn't something that just uh, girls did. Um, so yeah, we did that and, and he was always jovial as well. So he would be able to speak to everybody who was jovial. He is a very good communicator, conversationalist. Um, and yeah, just have a, have a laugh. Um, so that, that's probably why people, um, yeah, would think of him so favorably. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned a lot about business as well from him. So he's very frugal. And um, I learned, yeah, because he had to be to run a hotel. So I'd go shopping and he'd teach me, you know, about what to look for. So that's definitely a big part of me. Um, And then we, you know, he would know how to save so that we could then go on holiday and have things. um, Which back in the 70s, you know, that was a time. If you, I just watched The Crown the other day and, and it reminded me of that time when, Arthur Scargill and we used to have yeah. power cuts and, and have, I remember him cooking omelettes one night uh, by candlelight because the gas had the gas thing out and that was timeless in the crown. So, yeah, so it brought it, brought it back a bit. Yeah. But things were a bit more frugal then and, uh, you know, we'd buy a TV and it was a big occasion. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So what were some of the things that he taught you about buying and, you know, sort of running a business then, Rob? Anything that sticks out? Uh, don't waste anything and look around, get the best deal. Don't just jump in. Be um, be aware of the price. So price awareness is something. You know, some people shop and and they will just pick it up and not even look at the price. Yeah, and that's that's the opposite. Um, and you know, even though even sometimes now I don't need, I've got I've got the money. I can I could buy something that's expensive. I'll always ask how much is that and be interested and do a bit of a. Is it worth it in my head? And I've still got this very strict 
um, value system of what things should be worth. So it makes it quite difficult sometimes. I find it hard um, to to buy expensive things or things that are not good value. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad thing at all, Rob. <laughs> but it's not bad. So it can be bad, though. It can be bad. And that's rubbed off on Thomas, um, definitely, because, yeah, he, he will um, sometimes kick up a make, make a big thing deal about us buying something and we're going look you've got to buy it there's no other choice you haven't got a choice and you want it and you need it so you just buy it you don't worry about it now and he's going oh but it's expensive but and look, it's not your money mate don't worry about it <laughs> how have you actually um dealt with money with the boys like how, how have you treated sort of things like do you do pocket money or what sort of things have you done there so like me when i grew up i was given 10 pence and as soon as I got it on a Saturday morning, I'd be running down to the sweet shop, the lolly shop, and uh, buying lollies, and, and they'd all be gone by midday. Right? So that was me. And if I was told, like, do this job, wash the car, and I'll give you 50p or probably 10p, I'd have done that as well in the UK where I grew up. Um, and I'd have gone and spent it in half an hour. And Thomas uh, didn't, didn't really want money, need money. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't want to go buy lollies I mean I suppose we had more lollies um, sweets in in uh, the house anyway than we used to have when I was a kid but um, he he didn't really want to spend money so why do you need money if you don't need to spend it <laughs> he had no interest in, no interest in like oh what can I do can I can I mow the lawn can I do this can I do that um, and we had to really work on on it too um, so we did start with pocket money and then because he didn't spend any, he'd end up with loads of money. And, <laughs> uh, so we then actually switched to a paperless system or a moneyless system where I ran a bank book. Um, so I actually taught him, this is maybe a good idea, you might, some of your listeners might want to try, but you run the bank book and, um, and give him, I suppose it was just a bit easier than setting up a bank account because that's the other option, just set up a bank account and whatever you can do with kids' bank accounts nowadays. Um, but I ran this bank book, and then every month I'd give him interest, which I'd then, I'd give, I just made it easy and said 1% a month. So whatever the balance is, which is very, I mean, it's very generous, I know, nowadays, but <laughs> I'd give him 1% interest. So he would learn that, that that goes in and come and ask. But he'd forget to ask me to fill it out. So, you know, he wouldn't come running on a Saturday saying, can I have my pocket money filled out? And uh, we go like four months and I go, okay, so what's the last entry? Oh my God, right, let's work it out. How much do I need to write in? It'd be a couple of hundred dollars and, and then the interest on four months. So yeah, that, even that started not working. But then we started having some issues with uh, behavior. So we started a fining system where if certain things would, you know, if there was rudeness or back chat or a swear word, then it'd be like a you know a um a swear a swear jar um and and we'd have fines going on so it all got a bit complicated where we'd be fining for this right get your get your book and we're taking this off and uh or if you didn't do your chores or it had you know a bad attitude to doing the chores then it'd be all right well you're doing it now and you, you can wash the car anyway but now you're not getting the money for it or um was it was he so, super loss of us on the on the flip side of of really loving saving money, well, he, didn't, he never really loved it anyway. It was just like something that happened, and then when he then when he was losing the money, he didn't really care either. Oh, so, no. <laughs> and so we, I stopped doing it. But it was always my intention to add up how much he'd lost for all these things, and I wrote the description in. So it was quite funny. 
so later on we could look back on it and i was gonna on his 18th birthday hand him a check for all the the money that i'd taken off him um <laughs> so it's it like a, uh, just a little surprise but but then um he wanted to we, we got him we had a wii we got him a wii and i mean he, he then wanted an xbox and i said to him mate I'm, I, we just bought you that two years ago the wii i'm not paying uh, it's just such a waste of money you still use it you have fun with it you can you can have it for a few more years and and he's like oh my friends have got an xbox and, and it was all xbox xbox so in the end i said well buy it yourself you've got the money there buy it yourself and and he's like well but that means i'm going to use all my money i was like yeah so if you really want it you buy it yourself i'm not buying it for you so um he did he went and bought it himself out of his money so I, I couldn't really say. I thought that was good that he'd learned to save it all, where all mine went on lollies. <laughs> when I was a fat little boy, uh, and I was pretty unfit as a kid. Uh, and he he was able to buy something, and and he still talks about that now. And he's he's done the same way. Saved his money up, and he's put it towards something substantial. And it, and he's he's had that sense of pride around being able to do that. Yeah, that that's wonderful. We we did something similar with the kids just before Christmas. We there were just so many toys in the house. We'd had enough of it and we said, "Right, we've got to get rid of this. You know, all the toys you don't use, let's get rid of them. Let's sell them and you'll have a whole bunch of money and you can buy one really nice big toy." And and they didn't get with it to start with. They were quite reluctant of, you know, naturally. But then as soon as we took them to the market and spent a whole day at this market, which I was like, oh, I, don't know. It's, I, I saw it as like a, a a whole weekend sort of down the tubes. But it was really good because they were actually selling their things and and yeah. they instantly sort of saw the reward coming in. And they're like, what? So if we sell this, then we can go and buy that? And and it just yeah. like grew and grew throughout the day, and they ended up with about a hundred dollars each at the end of the day, and and Emily really wanted a um, a Garmin watch, you know, the sort of um, a tracker, and, uh, yeah. and she could buy it. It was great. So um, yeah, that was that was a really interesting experience for well for us, I think. Yeah, it's really, it's really good. But I still really haven't good. cracked the pocket money thing because I keep forgetting each week. And it's yeah. so hard not having change in the house. And so I've ended up having a whole bunch of money bags with dollars in them so so that we don't end up going, oh, we'll, we'll pay you tomorrow or next week. It's it, At least we've got some now. So we do the money jar thing, the, the give, save and spend jar. And that seems to be working a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. And I, I saw that and didn't get around to doing it. Um, and then, yeah, I thought there was an app as well where you could uh, use, but then they, they asked for payment, so I didn't want to pay any more out. Um, and that's where we did the paper system, which seemed to work, the bank book system. Yeah, I like the bank book system. And I think um, it's certainly good for the kids to be getting into seeing that stuff written down as well. I mean, I guess ideally it'd be amazing to teach them like how to drive a, a profit and loss statement or, you know, balance sheets and everything. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah. not just well, yet. <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough, hard enough just adding plus four and and trying to remember to do that. But yeah, I thought it was depending on your child, though. That's the thing. I've I've really learned that you know it's so different to me. Um, I I can't just impose what I used to do and think and what motivated me because Thomas is just such a different character, <laughs> and and then life life's very different as well because I suppose if the way we do it, if he needs to go out and, and, and is going to the movies, we'll just give the money. And 
to pay for that. And so, whereas another way would be give a bit more on the pocket money and then expect them to pay for it themselves. So, yeah, different ways. Yeah. I think it. We we haven't figured it out yet. We're we're still sort of uh, vacillating on that. Now, um, what are, what are the sort of attributes, or what are the attributes um, that you have, Rob, that you'd like to pass on to the kids, or at least in you know demonstrate so that they can see that you know that's something that you think uh, either you've taken from your dad or or your mom, and and you think is something that you'd like there's a value to pass on. Yeah. I think they've they've seen um or, or not maybe maybe not pass on is an easier question <laughs> well I'm, I'm i'm very determined so if i set out to do something i do it and so that's something that thomas has seen and understands that so um i, I think you know i'd like to see him uh he does it in, in some areas uh he'll he'll commit to a project and then finish it so um yeah, that, that's something that, that will stand him in good stead later in life. Um, yeah. Of just being being fair, I think I'm, I'm very fair. I'm very disciplined. Maybe I'm too disciplined with um, you know not budging on things. So I'm pretty stubborn, set in my ways. And you know, very often if I've said something, then that's it. Of course, you know, kids would like me not to be like that. As I was told uh, when I took the iPad off Elijah this morning, uh, he said, "You're not my dad." <laughs> so I'd really thrown it with Elijah then he was really not happy with it I said mate you can go and read your book but you're not having we have to unplug the TV because we find it quite hard to, to get around the side and plug it in again otherwise the TV will go on and we have to hide the iPad and we've got another um, uh, laptop which you can then access uh, YouTube and another thing Netflix and so so we have to hide that and Anyway, he had he found it. And we'd left it out recharging, so he was on on that. So I took that away. Um, <laughs> so, but then, but then I made him a, a tuna sandwich for his breakfast, and and then he said, uh, "Oh, you're the best dad ever." So uh, awesome. <laughs> Everything's a lot simpler, um, but at the same time, he's got a a great outlook on life. He knows what's important to him, and that's all that matters. So it's he's <laughs> almost like I don't know. Uh, Zen light, where you're just living in the now. There's not worrying about the past or worrying about the future. It's just about now and and what's happening right now. Well, so, you, you could good. argue that's a that's a superpower in itself. You know, everyone's trying to <laughs> trying bad, to get yeah. to that mindfulness state, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I work hard, so that's that's something that I actually after listening to one of your podcasts where you said to some one of your mates. Um, what would you like your 15-year-old to say about you? Or what, no, what, would, what do you think they'd say to their friends? What would you like them to say? So I went to my 15-year-old, who I've currently got, and I said, hey, mate, uh, what would you say to your friends about me? And he, yeah, he said some nice things, so that was good. Uh, and then he chucked in a few of the things he didn't like at the end. You know, What, 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 were, some of, what were some of the nice things, if you don't mind me asking? Um, oh, that I, I work hard, that I... I look after the family. Um, you know, I'm generous. Uh, uh, I, what else? I can't remember. I'm kind. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't ask for more, really. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that definitely yeah. sounds like a win, Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll take, 
Okay. Yeah. Now, now you mentioned determination earlier, because um, I mean, obviously, uh, in your early life, you you served as an officer in the British Royal Marines Commandos. Now, um, does yeah. did that play a big part in sort of inspiring, um, motivate man the book that you and Elijah have developed? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, to go to for me to be motivated to get in the Royal Marines was a big deal. So when I started out, I actually wanted to be a music teacher, piano teacher from the early days. And that stayed until about 15. And then I switched to business and being interested in business and making money. And um, then I ended up in the line of accounting and it was too boring. So I did some work for a firm of accountants and I really didn't like it. Went to uni, found the territorial equivalent um, and uh, learned what it was all about being an officer um and that, that's where i got interested in joining the military um it really um yeah i really took to it and so i decided to join but i remember yeah somebody said to me oh, i don't think it's for you i don't think you're up to it and <laughs> oh that's like uh, a red rag to a ball yeah it's like well stuff you and i'm gonna give it a go so i did i worked really hard and i showed them that i could do it I think it might come from, I, I try and analyze where it comes from. So being motivated and that whole grit and determination and never giving up. And it's all that, it's that quality that you need to get through things when, when, when it's getting tough. I don't know. I think some of it might come from being the third child and, you know, having to uh, fight a bit. Um, and I think some of it might come from just working hard on things and seeing the results. Uh, seeing it come good and piano playing was something where you've got to practice and practice and practice to get to be able to play something so you know, I think that probably did um, prepare me a bit and teach me that that you have to really practice and keep going at things and never give up so you know through life that developed and um, yeah then the physical side came and with the physical side once you've become strong uh, then you feel that you can do it and so yeah I went for it and I ended up getting in. So um, I've always, uh, then it developed further because you go through more difficult situations and that gives you even more confidence, um, more self-belief and yeah, you, you feel that you can take on the world. So um, it's that, you know, what makes a leader? I, I, I don't, I think uh, you know, some, some of it is nature, a lot of nurture, uh, the opportunities you have, but then develop you further. Um, so I, I, yeah, over my time, I've, I'm not perfect now, and um, my team, you know, they certainly know my faults. Um, but I've had a lot of experience being a leader, um, and I know the theory of motivation, and and probably failed to practice it hundred um, <laughs> percent. But um, yeah, that led to um, you know knowing that it's highly valued, and then the idea about the book um, was. Um, just to again to a do a book because it's pretty cool and it's one of the things that I thought about doing one day not knowing what book or how um, but then with Elijah and Crumpet um, thinking that that would actually be quite a cool book to have and for Elijah to have it's all about being able to advocate through that as well and then that changed that morphed into the idea of instead of a book there were some books about teaching you know for a school to teach other kids about Down syndrome so it was laboring on what Down syndrome is. I, I, I wanted to take a different approach and just have Elijah as the child with Down syndrome in there, um, 
but as a as a superhero, because he always talks about being a superhero, and um, so came up with that idea of what what kind of superhero could he be, um, and then Motivate Man came out, out of the blue, and um, and that yeah that started. So I thought if he can teach Crumpet, who can be the fool guy and uh, teach Crumpet these skills, then it's actually really good. Again, social role valorization that we talked about. His role is a teacher. And he's teaching these life skills, personal development skills, um, to regular kids. Uh, it becomes a, a good book to have that yeah, a parent could get there and have it um, both for that angle and then also for teaching a bit about, because we'll put some in at the start or finish about Down syndrome. Um, and so they can teach that as well. Yeah. And well, then it links into YouTube channel as well. Yeah, it it got sort of rave reviews as well because you you more than doubled the Kickstarter target to get it published. And I, I read one of the reviews by Sue Southey, uh, who's an early childhood consultant, and and she said, "I love this book. Motivate Man celebrates children with diverse learning needs as capable and competent. It focuses on what they can do, not what they can't do. We need more books like this that highlight overcoming everyday challenges with humour and a sense of fun. Great messages for growing people. Uh, I think I don't think you can really beat that, Rob. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I was really really happy to have that review of Sue. And um, and she she read the I just I can't draw that well, but um, I had the idea of how it might look, so I scribbled it out um, and I put that on the campaign as well. And I had the words um, which which um, we'd done already, um, and so I put all that together and, and gave it to her and said, "Would you mind having a look at this? Uh, just pretend it's ready, but you get the idea." <laughs> so she did. She read it and uh, gave me the review on it, which is great because now Andy is our illustrator. He's actually he's drawing it properly. Uh, and doing a much better job than I had that, than I did because he's having <laughs> different elements and using his creative skills to uh, to come up with yeah the coloured uh, illustrated version, which hopefully will be out by Down Syndrome Day, which is March the twenty first. So we'll see how we go. Yeah, because um, we're doing self publishing, so oh, it's fantastic. No, great work, Rob, to uh, to the whole team. Really, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, so. Yeah, it will be up on Amazon. Hopefully, we'll get it up there um, eventually. I'm not sure how. I've got to find out how to to publish the book. Uh, Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's like jumping in the deep end. I have no idea, but I've I've listened to a few podcasts, and yeah, just like YouTube, they say, get started, just go for it, and you'll learn as you go. So that's how we're going to do it. I actually um, (laughs) love one of the quotes that come from the Pixar team, I think it was. And and yeah. it was something along the lines of, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it was uh, basically we all hold hands in the aeroplane, jump out of it, and then st- uh, sew the parachute on the way down. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and they said that's what every project they did felt like. And so yeah. it's quite comforting to know that an outfit such as Pixar that create amazing, you know, products felt that sort of trepidation and 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 you know concern at the start of every project so it's great yeah. quite comforting it is, it is you got to do it and you know i look at the youtube side and literally you know our story there of we got an old camera on a pile of books um with the window giving the light because that's what they said to do on a, a video i watched and and then i look at and then it's very basic editing i look at what where we're at now and had you feared starting it then you wouldn't have got to where you are now or we wouldn't have. So 
Um, you know, the things that I've learned to do over time through trial and error and through more research and just the building blocks uh, let you get to a much better position. And yeah, I'm so happy that I'm not fearful of starting those things. So. Uh, yeah, I totally, I totally, I couldn't agree more actually, because because I I put off starting the podcast for so long. <laughs> I think it's about six months of too, too much research before actually doing, and then once you get started and you go through it once, you're like, oh right, okay, that that wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it'd be. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> now, Rob, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I'm really inspired by what you and Elijah are doing. How, how can listeners check out what you guys are doing and or get in touch with you? Okay, so we've got our YouTube channel, which is Elijah and Crumpet. They can just search that. Um, more active um, is Instagram, probably. So what we do is we load it up to YouTube, and then I'll, I'll be posting normally more regularly. I'm just on a, a month off at the moment, having a break um, from everything. Um, but um, on Instagram, we are at Elijah and Crumpet, all one word. Um, we're on Twitter as well, uh, at Elijah Crumpet. Uh, there's, oh, those are the main areas. So we've also got, I've done um, a dad's kind of, from dad's perspective, from my perspective, um, uh, blog. So that is uh, WordPress, Elijah, uh, dot Elijah and Crumpet. Um, I did that because for a year I, I just kept out of it. I didn't want to appear. Uh, I didn't want to have my voice anywhere. So, but then with Instagram being me talking and getting in touch with people, yeah, I, I, I changed it. And I thought, well, I might as well do something so I can um, advocate a little bit more from my perspective as well, rather than just speaking like a puppet <laughs> and having a puppet voice. <laughs> it's quite hard sometimes because you want to say more about stuff. Yeah. Oh so, yeah! If anybody wants to get, then then go for it. Um, and yeah, I'm interested in any opportunities, either it be that podcast or getting the word out there just to chat. Um, or if you know somebody that needs to talk, if you know someone that's just had a diagnosis and they want to catch up and have a chat, then I can do that too. So um, yeah, just drop us a line. I'll I'll, I'll get back to you. Ah, oh, that's brilliant, and and thank you, Rob, for taking the time to chat with us. And and I actually, well, really look forward to meeting up in person at some stage whenever you're down this way. Yeah, definitely. If you're up in Brisbane, then get in touch, and we can meet up and have a beer or but, a coffee. No, that's no. I'll, I'll take either. That sounds great. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Rob. Well, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you took away from it as much as I did. Now, before you go, I wanted to let you know that we're holding our first ever Dad Mindset live event in a couple of weeks. Yes, cannot wait. I'll be hosting a panel of local dads, including authors Andy McNeely and Mark Smith, who've previously been on the show. We're going to be chatting about all the struggles and successes of being a father and explore the general messiness of being a parent. It's an opportunity to share insights, pick the brains of other dads and ask any questions you'd like. It's a totally judgment-free zone, going to be a lot of fun and all are welcome. It's been held on Wednesday the 26th of February, 6.30 to 8pm at Warren Ponds Library. If you'd like to come along and join us, you can get your tickets by clicking the link on the front page of the Dad Mindset website, which is thedadmindset.com. If the tickets are all taken, just come along anyway and we'll make it work. There's going to be extra standing room space we can use and we'd love to see you there. So, in the meantime, I hope you have a great week and enjoy your caffeinated beverage. <laughs>